Everybody, I just want to warn you that uh, there's there's some explicit stuff in this episode. There's there's descriptions of sexual violence, of rape, of assault, and it's it's very much well worth warning you that that is coming. Hello to all my animal lovers out there. It's beautiful anonymous. One hour, one phone call, no names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one, I think it'll be more fun, and I'll get to know you, and you'll get to know me. Hello, everybody. Welcome. It's another episode of Beautiful Anonymous. Must be Tuesday morning. Hello, good morning. You're waking up, listening to this download. Or if you're listening to the future, yeah, hello to you too. I don't know why I'm being so biased towards the Tuesday people. It's your friend Chris Gethard. Welcome to the show. Thank you everybody for listening. Thanks for giving me this. The ultimate gig. My favorite thing. I tell you, every week I grow to love Beautiful Anonymous more because it's just laid back it's human connection the world my everyday life i connect with people less this show every week i connect more a beautiful thing and a luxury and thank you guys for allowing me to have this role thanks to everybody who's been supporting the chris gethard show live on true tv every tuesday night 11 p.m eastern thanks to everybody who's been buying tickets to my road shows at chrisgeth.com a whole bunch of cities out there thanks for checking that out particular thanks to one listener out there who uh, i tell you and they're not paying for me to mention it now the response to these Thomas's English muffin ads has been astounding. People are finding my reads of them uh, very enticing. Some people have said sensual. One listener out there took all my Thomas's English muffin ads, put uh, what can only be described as softcore pornography style saxophone underneath them, and it made me laugh very hard. Thank you for doing that. So they posted it in the uh, Beautiful Anonymous Facebook group. You can go find it there. Thank you for that. It made my week. This week's call, tough one, tough one. I'm going to warn you right now. Um, if, you, if you've had issues with uh, sexual assault, you're going to want to brace yourself. There's a lot of talk of that in this call. This is a caller who's uh, opening up very much about a sexual assault they experienced. Uh, not just one, multiple, really got vulnerable. I got vulnerable too. Here's something that you might not expect. Um, this is a guy. This is a guy talking about some of this stuff in a very frank way, and in ways that I don't think we recognize. We talk about a lot this a lot during the call. I think the culture of sexuality comes to men is about like conquest, right? But the world's not thinking like that anymore. And this caller isn't thinking like that anymore. And uh, I think the caller's experiences really help explain something. And I applaud him for uh, being as vulnerable as he was. I think it's an eye-opening thing. I think a lot of people might really... Uh, Raise an eyebrow and think about some things differently after this one. Thank you, caller, for calling. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I hope you enjoy. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hello? Hey. Uh, Hi, is this Chris? Yeah, this is Chris. Well, hi. Wow. Cool to hear from you. How are you today? How am I today? Oh, boy. Well, I like to answer, honestly. I tell you, uh, I don't want to dwell on it or make it about me, but the depression's got a little bit of a hold on me. That's a thing that happens. Happy to still get out of bed and fight the good fight and live my life and hold my head up high. So I'm doing today. How are you doing today? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm still in bed right now. 
Lucky I haven't gotten you. out, so I kind of feel you. Lucky you. That's nice. Except I'm still nice and warm. I'm I'm still under the blanket. Yeah, that's a good safe place to hide. You playing pong or something? <laughs> sounds like you're playing pong over there. It's a little intermittent. Bleeps. Oh no! I got my fiance texting me. I told her I got on in, into the holding queue, and now she's texting me. No, I said, wait, no way, no way, no way. So that's what's going on. <laughs> so she's. She's excited you're on the show and doesn't realize her texts of excitement are actually disrupting your appearance on the show. Oh, I'm going to have to tell her to stop. I don't know. You have to say, buzz off, and we'll see how that goes. You might get yelled at. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's plenty nice. She loves the show. She follows it every That's week. So, yeah, um, and she thought I should really tell you my story because um, oh. she thought it would bring some good awareness. Um, whoa. Okay. Well, I'm all ears. What's the story? Okay, cool. Um, so I guess I'll, I'll kind of start like before I hit everybody with the bomb. Um, the so bomb. I'm, I don't know. Can I throw my age out there? I'm, I'll say yeah. mid-20s. How about that? Yeah, you can say whatever you want. Oh, sure. Okay. I just don't want to give too much away. So I do. I work with animals. I love my job, but I can't be too specific about what I do because we kind of have a small animal field. And this is supposed to be pretty anonymous, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, oh, she says, tell him I say hello, and I think he's wonderful, and I love all he does. Okay, so that's that's her response to saying she can't text. But um, That's cool. Tell her I said, so, what's like, up? <laughs> <laughs> she'll, oh, I'll just let her hear that. Yeah, don't tell she'll her. Be, she'll be happy to hear it from me. I'm just trying to get a chuckle. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so I work with animals now. Um I kind of grew up a Rolling Stone. I've lived uh, all over the United States. Um, not so much the East Coast, honestly, though. But I, okay. I've been all over the Midwest, which is like a giant cornfield, and then lived various places throughout the West, which has been pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so in my mid-20s, I've lived like 13 different places now. So wow. I've kind of been all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I'm not an Army child. I will say that. Um, my dad is in the medical field. So anytime he had to do some more schooling or studying like that, I got to travel around with him, which was pretty fun. Got to meet lots and lots of different people. That's cool. Um, so in that time, geez, I don't know how to not drop the bomb on you right away, Chris. I think we dropped the bomb. <sighs> I think we dropped the bomb. It sounds like you're uh, gearing up towards it. Sounds like, sounds like it's, a, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you referred to it as I a mean, bomb multiple so- times. Well, I mean, I, I guess what it is, I don't know if if the episode's going to start out this way, but but as a man, I've I've been raped by two women and sexually assaulted and molested by an older man when I was a child. So that's that's kind of the bomb right there. Oh wow! Um, I'm really sorry. Yeah, I mean the oh yeah, no, that's I just don't even know how to approach that. That's like, I really want to tell you about it. Talk to a therapist about it. You did. I was Obviously, my world doesn't crumble now. I'm, I'm honestly a pretty happy guy. But um, it is, it's a little rough to talk about. I think that, I think, for one, let me throw this out there, rape is horrible and so is sexual assault. Anything like that. It's obviously, it's terrible, it's terrible. But um, I feel that with men, sometimes it does get brushed underneath the rug. I mean... I think that people, men, women, anything in between, everyone needs to be 
open about it. And I think that it needs to be talked about more because I, I don't think that it should be happening. Um, of course. Yeah, of course. Oh yeah. Um, geez, I don't, I'm kind of tired. So do you want me to start about kind of talk about the first experience that happened and then go from there? Do you think that would be all right? Yeah. I mean, chronological sounds, uh, sounds like the way to go right and then we'll figure it out from there and uh i'm sure it'll be hard to talk about so anytime you need to take a breath and uh and uh and 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 you know we need a palate yeah, cleanser topic God, just... you have such a comforting voice oh, I don't, has anyone told you you have just a very comforting voice people have told me kind <sighs> things about my voice since the launch of this show so i have spent a lifetime feeling insecure about my voice so i'm still getting even two years in, I'm still kind of baffled that people like my voice. I've had some people say uh, <laughs> say nice things about the voice, and I I'm always shocked by it. Well, yeah, I'll give you a compliment. It's very comforting. I think you would make a good therapist. Not that you need to look into that. You already made it. But I'm happy to be okay, a comedian. So I... Happy to be a comedian and want to just and want to read it. I, I will say, can I just say one thing before we launch into? I am not a therapist. Oh, I've underlined that on the show. And one of the things that makes me comfortable about us launching into this is that you you have you have sought out the help of a real therapist. So that actually oh, yeah, makes me absolutely. feel very comfortable. Yeah, just want to get that out there. Oh yeah. So, okay. Yeah, so okay. I guess I'll start with the um, the first experience. Um. So I was seven years old, and. Um, my dad was traveling for for work, um, and uh, I hadn't seen him in a couple months. So my mom and I decided to go visit him in the state of California. Um, beautiful state, by the way. I do love California, even though there have been bad experiences. Um, so, yeah, I was seven, and uh, my parents wanted to go out um, a couple days and have some fun in California. So where my dad was staying, it was almost like Airbnb back in the year 2001. I don't even know if it existed then, but, you know, just rented a room at some kind lady's house and um, she had extra rooms, so we didn't have to get a hotel or anything like that. So um, my dad uh, asked a neighbor kid who was 18 if he could babysit me for a couple of days, a couple hours at a time and he was um, the the neighbor kid. Honestly, before anything happened, he was really nice. He was super outgoing, and at the point in time, I was super big into like Pokemon. That was all coming out, and whatever other anime shows. And um, I mean, me being a kid, I didn't know any better. I didn't know there was any evil in the world like that. So we were watching morning cartoons, and boy, I'll just slip into it. I mean, he. Um, he started to touch me and I didn't know what to think of it because no one had ever done that. Um, and then as time went on, he was, um, um, asking me to get naked and to touch him too. Um, and I mean, this went on for days and my, my parents had no idea. And, and, between us and now everyone listening, they still don't have any idea. Um, that's not anything I've ever felt like I could talk with them about. 
Uh, so I, I guess secret's kind of out now, um, <laughs> but uh, it's all right. Um, but they uh, they had no idea, and I think that towards the end of it, towards the end of these couple of days with this man, um, they did start to catch on that uh, something, some funny business was going on. Um, I don't know if I started to act different. Um, I tried to erase all the bad things out of my mind. Um, so I don't remember it a hundred percent clear, but I do remember that after, um, a, a couple of days, uh, he had locked the door to the room that we were watching cartoons in. And, um, my parents came home early and not that either of us were naked. We were fully clothed, but I do remember my dad screaming at him and asking, you know, why are you locking the door? And, um, sorry, just, uh, rough to talk about. <laughs> no, of course you don't have to um, apologize here. Um, yeah, that's, and so, um, I just remember my dad screaming about that. Um, you know, my parents were asking me if everything was okay. And they, they never asked if he had touched me inappropriately or, or anything like that. They they didn't ask those questions because they must've just assumed that I would tell them. Um, I know that a lot of parents talk to their kids about, you know, if anyone's doing anything inappropriate and touching you in places they shouldn't be, you need to tell someone. Um, I mean, I, I did have that conversation with my parents, but it's not, it was never really talked about all that much. We, uh, we lived in a small town in uh, Minnesota most of the time when I was growing up and stuff like that, just, it, it, it didn't happen. So I guess they, um, just assumed that they didn't really need to have an in-depth conversation with me about it. But, um, so after that day, we were in California for probably a few more days, me and my mom, before we had to go back to Minnesota. In that time, I was trying to figure out why this babysitter wouldn't, I, I could see him over the fence with his family. He wouldn't look at me. He wouldn't talk to me. And, I said, what's, what's going on? I asked him and he said, I, I can't come over anymore. And then that was it. That was the last time I saw him. And I remember that it was so weird that like someone, I was seven and he was 18. He was 11 years older than me. And he, he like opened up to me about things that like a seven year old wouldn't understand that he has a girlfriend and wants to go to college and do all this, this and that. And I, it was just the weirdest thing. Um, yeah, but um, he uh, he molested me for days, and I had never said anything about it. And um, I guess I don't know if I regret not saying anything, or I don't know what the outcome would have been. You know, that's something that you just never know. And I wouldn't say that that experience ruined my life. It definitely did not. Um, it's just kind of something that I've had to cope with. You know, sure. And it sounds like it sounds like pretty quickly into it, you sensed at least that something was off about this, even as a seven-year-old. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my parents definitely knew something was up, but 
I don't know if they were trying to catch him in the act or I don't know. I've never, I've never asked them. And it's 14 years later now. I still don't feel comfortable about asking them. It's not anything I'd ever talk to them about. It's yeah. not that my parents are scary people. I just don't know how I would approach that. And sure. What they would do after that. Well, I mean, the fact that your dad was yelling and, 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 and flipping out means uh, I, I'm... I'm I'm sure it's something that they, at the you know it sounds like at the very least they understood there was a situation they needed to get to the bottom of. It's a, I'll say on, on my end just the reaction like it's a, you know it's just hearing you say oh I've never talked with them about it. It's it sounds to me like like one thing worth saying is like it's their responsibility to talk to you and uh, it's it's. It's not. It's not something I think you need to feel uncomfortable that you've never brought up because it sounds like they knew something was going on, right? So, I don't think you need to. That's you know when I look back and think about it, it really seems like they did know something was up. But I mean, unless I ask him about it, I guess I'll never know. Which I don't know. The way I look at it, might not be the worst thing. It. Um, I. I just. I don't have a problem talking to a therapist about it or, or even talking to you about it, but something about talking to my parents about it, I just, I don't want them to, I don't know, see me any different or feel bad for right. me for what happened. I don't, I don't want people to feel bad for me. That's for sure. I'm just of course. putting that out there. I just, yeah. I mean, it's something that I've coped with and it hasn't really torn me down throughout my life. So yeah, I mean, that's good. <laughs> and I'm sure, I'm sure there must be, is there some, is there some level too to which if you talk to your parents about it, you, you might ask them why, why didn't, why did we just move on from this when, when you were so angry and, and knew at least something was going on? Is that something you don't want to confront either? Um, I, I guess so. I mean, I, 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 I'm almost afraid to know that they knew something was going on because I'd never said anything. Right. right. I, I don't know why that is. I mean, you know, siblings are like, Oh, don't tell mom or anything like that. And she'll find out when, you know, it's 15 years later and you can all laugh about it. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to laugh about not, this one. There's no, no laughing about not this really one 20 years later. <laughs> yeah. This is not one that's uh Oh, really? This is not like, Oh yeah. We used to uh, drink behind the garage. We buried the beer can so you would never find them. This is not one of those that y'all start <laughs> no, chuckling about. No. Yeah, wow. it, that's exactly it. But I just, I feel like, you know, I, I do have siblings and, you know, used to say, oh, don't tell mom. But, you mm-hmm. know, this just is not one of those things. And I guess I would definitely, sorry, that was Snapchat. I promise it's not the fiance. That's okay. Uh, it's 2018 and you're locked in on this social media game. Brands are oh, important. You got to get it out there. <laughs> I mean, I guess I would just be afraid to know that they did know. And, you know, what would we say to each other after that? Like, hey, I knew the whole time and we never talked about it. I mean, honestly, I, I wouldn't know what to say to them. Yeah, of course. I wouldn't know if I would ask, you know, why didn't you, why didn't you help me out when I needed it or anything like that? Yeah. I guess I just don't know. I don't know what I would say to them. Yeah. Who, who, when, what, when did you first address it or talk about it? Um, the first time I ever talked about it, um, 
was when I was 19 and I went to therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, not actually for that reason I went to therapy because I was getting over a drug addiction, but I still went to therapy. Um, and I, I did tell my therapist about pretty much everything that's ever happened in my life, and I did include every uncomfortable detail like that. Yeah. Did your did you or your therapist feel like maybe the drug addiction was tied to this somehow? Because I would imagine you're someone who, from a young age, first of all, felt pressure um, and confusion and learned to keep big secrets. You know. Yeah. Um, you know the the therapist was more of a listener than a talker. Yeah. To be completely honest, I'm. I, I don't know. You know what a therapist's real duties are because I've only ever seen one, but he never related the the drug addiction to, you know, the sexual abuse that happened or, you know, sexual misconduct, if you want to call it. Um, And yeah, and that's me playing armchair shrink right here as well. So let me cop to that. I don't really, I don't know what I'm talking about. Let's just remind everybody of that. (laughs) But um, no, I just, he, he never tried to link anything together. He basically gave me coping methods that I ended up finding on my own to get over drug addiction. Um, Thank God for that. I mean, honestly, it it was really weird. Anytime I'd have it, not that this is related to the sexual assault, it is a drug related thing, but anytime I had a tick, I would just chew sunflower seeds and that seemed to get me over it pretty quick. I don't know. That's a really weird thing to say, but really, can I ask ask what drugs you had fallen into? Yeah, it was um, psychedelics, and I would I had a really bad addiction to um, pot and drinking at the age of 19. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to live in Denver, so it wasn't, you know, at the time that I was 19, it was just becoming pretty street legal and pretty common, um, you know, pretty easy to obtain from any shop there in Denver. Um, so, you know, psychedelics, I my friends had... Um, a coworker or friends and roommates, I should say, had a coworker who would make his own psychedelics. And um, I had a coworker that I could buy marijuana from at any point in time. And he was older than me too. So if we needed alcohol, just ask him. So it was a kind of a big old combination. And, and when I cut it, cut the addiction, I, I mean, I cut it cold turkey. I left Denver, left friends, changed my phone number, everything. Um, so when I got back to the next place I was living, which I did move back with my parents, um, I mean, I, I had nothing. I took whatever few things I had out of my apartment in Denver and I left, um, Sunflower got seeds. back and all I really had was video games and food. Um, so <laughs> trying to curb an addiction with those is not exactly the easiest. Right, right. Two things that can be addictive in their own right. That's okay. That's okay. Well, I'm sorry. I didn't hear that last part. I said those are two things that can be addictive in their own right. But that's okay. Oh, yeah, exactly. Then I have a combo hitting me at the same time, which was a little hard to deal with. (laughs) Right. For sure. Right. Um, So, yeah, I, I ended up going to therapy when I was 19 to help curb the drug addiction. And um, then I did talk to my therapist about, you know, 
having the bad sexual encounters um, before. And so there's still two more that we got to get to. Right. You see that we're sitting right. at 24 minutes here. We're so. only a third, of way, um, a third of the way through the list. We're talking about a uh, oh, a week of childhood okay. nightmare, oh. sexual nightmare. Okay. <laughs> Only 20 minutes in on this um, one. That's usually, I got to say, usually the bell's going off for most people. Now that's, that's the place to pause, because I, I tell you what they call that in the business. That's a tease for more to come. There's a lot more to come, as you can sense, and we're going to get to all of it. First, though, this show, I'm able to bring it to you because we have advertisers. They have products. They have services. Listen to them. Check them out. Use the promo codes if you're so inclined. Get saved a couple bucks. Also helps the show when you do. Be right back with more phone call. That alarm goes off and you're tempted to hit that snooze button. I know. I know you are. What is going to help you avoid that snooze button? What's really worth getting out of bed? Well, Thomas's is the only breakfast brand that delivers a one of a kind eating experience. It's original nooks and crannies, English muffins. There is nothing quite like it in that world, right? Think about that texture, those nooks. Those crannies, think about when they're perfectly toasted. Those edges get a little brown, that light brown toasting. It's irresistible, right? Crispy edges, soft, warm, center. Take it from a true fan. You can hear the passion in my voice. I am a true fan. The secret to revealing the perfect nooks and crannies goodness every time, you got you to gotta handle this right, all right? You got to get this thing into two halves. Your Thomas's English muffin needs to come apart. Don't use a knife, though, okay? That's a... It's a pedestrian way to handle it. Let it retain its shape, how it was baked. Maybe if you really need it, you get a fork and then you pry it apart. Get it in the toaster. Make sure you got the setting right. You do not want to burn this thing. You do not want it to come out light. You got to get it right in that sweet spot. Let it pop out. And then while it's still hot, get the butter in there. Butter's going to melt. Butter's going to pool. You're going to be able to see it. It's going to land in all those little amazing little nooks and crannies. It's delicious now. And you have a delicious burst of flavor in every warm, toasty, buttery bite. If you have not had them already, you have to toast and butter some Thomas's Nooks and Crannies English muffins. They're truly like no other. I love traveling. I like it. I always feared it as a kid. I was always nervous about it because I was an anxiety-prone person. Then I tell you, I got married. My wife loves traveling. We try to get out of the country every now and then. And it's eye-opening and beautiful, and I love it. And it's such a good thing. I like seeing other cultures. I like meeting other people. I like seeing how other people hang out with each other, what kind of foods people eat in different parts of this country and other countries everywhere. I like it. I was just in Sri Lanka. You guys had to hear all about it, and it was it was awesome. It can be stressful. You know, you got to plan and book stuff, but it's so good. It's such a good habit to get into if you have that luxury. Don't visit a ton of different sites. On tripping.com, one search lets you compare every home from the world's top vacation rental sites in one place to find the best deal on your perfect vacation rental. Vacation rentals offer more. More privacy, more space for everyone under one roof, more choices with fully stocked kitchens, extra bedrooms, even hot tubs, all the comforts of home, and then some. Best of all, at tripping.com, you can join the millions of travelers who find more savings with rates up to 80% less than traditional hotel rooms. This year, Save time and money when you book the vacation home of your dreams with tripping.com slash stories. That's T-R-I-P-P-I-N-G dot com slash stories. Find your perfect vacation rental, tripping.com slash stories. Thanks again to all of our sponsors who helped me bring this show to the world. Now let's get back to the phone call. Only 20 minutes in on this um, one. That's usually, I got to say, usually the bell's going off for most people. 
Usually that's really totally, you're a third of the way through. Usually the bell's ringing about now. Oh boy, we're just gonna have to find ways to fill in at the end. Then I feel like I'm tearing through this pretty quick. Well, yeah. I guess I can throw some other stuff in there. That I've sounds like so. sounds like you have no shortage of life experience, my friend. Sounds like there's. No I really don't. After living in so many different places, oh, so many different things have happened. You know. Yeah. Tell Especially me what growing else. up too. What's that knocking sound? Oh, sorry, the dog's chewing on a toy. That's okay. He's got a he's got a toy fish that he likes to eat. I'm sorry about that. That's okay. I didn't think it was that loud. I just like asking. I find that with ancillary noise in this podcast, there's actually a lot of people who appreciate it as long as they know what it is. When they don't know what it is, oh. then they go nuts. Like that one guy who one time, that cop, remember that cop, Jared, who microwaved something? And people, the guy was just trying to eat a Hot Pocket and people wanted to take his head off his shoulders. <laughs> Never heard anything like that. People really. I mean, I guess I, I understand the same thing. If anything, if I'm on the phone with anybody and I hear a noise, I always have to go, "What is that noise?" Yeah. And then when I find out, I go, "Oh, okay, that's totally fine then." Yeah. But until then, it just makes me nuts. Yeah. But I think we're all good. I think people actually love when it's a dog. I think if people know it's a dog. Oh, okay. Let me say, who doesn't love a dog? Yeah, I'm not much of a dog. I mean, what if I told them it was a puppy who's four months old? Who doesn't love a four-month-old puppy? They're going to want you to just hold the phone up to the puppy just so the puppy can <laughs> But we have too much ground to we cover. We could talk to him. <laughs> yeah, I, that's true. We <laughs> could talk to him, but... <laughs> I think we have enough ground to cover. Instagram famous. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's move on to the next one. So... Um, so I moved to oh boy, I moved to Denver when I was in high school, and I moved there with my family. Um, now I can't exactly say which high school I went to, um, just to keep it plenty anonymous, because I guarantee everybody at my high school or alumni listen to this podcast. Oh, wow. um, I'll just say that. Okay. Um, so when I moved to Denver and I attended my new school. Um, I, uh, so, oh boy, how do I put this out there, um, without sounding kind of arrogant? I, I'm just going to throw it out there and I'm not trying to sound very full of myself. I am a good looking person with significant traits. How about that? Does that, does that set me apart from the crowd? Significant traits. We talking, what's your shoe? We talking about your shoe size here? What's your shoe size? Is that what you're getting at? We're talking about like, like. God, I know it's supposed to be anonymous. I don't know if you want to take this part out or not. And it's kind of significant because there's only like of us in the world, and I've got two. Yeah, okay. can we take that part out? Would that be good? Okay. Well, yeah, we can bleep. We can. Bleep. Yeah, if that's making. Okay, that that'd be good. I will say. I'm shocked that that's the thing you're like, can we bleep that out? It's, I mean, I know, I know. That, <laughs> it's just because I, I do have like a significant look and people know me and. Fair. I mean, like I said, I, I've met thousands of people, so it's hard to be anonymous about it. Um, right. Anything you want taken out, we take it out. Even if it's the most seemingly innocuous details. I get it. I get it. Um, so, okay. So you're yeah. good. You're a good looking and distinct looking person. I thought you were yes, talking about. There we go. I thought you were talking. I thought you were saying you you were had a big hog. That's what I thought you were getting. At. <laughs> no, I. No, no, no. Just just the way I look. That's just what stands out. 
All right. Yeah. I mean, and to answer your thing about the feet size, I, I've got size eight feet. Size eight feet. They're pretty little. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> um, so uh yeah, let's let's move on to this. Um so I was a junior when I moved to Denver and I attended my new school and uh I had a lot of people approach me, you know, hey, who's the new kid? And I'm I'm used to it. I've moved around plenty. Um and uh, one girl approached me, and I thought, God, she's, like, extra nice. And I didn't think anything of it because I was trying to do a long-distance relationship with a different girl back where I used to live. And um, so I was like, oh, she's just being real nice and all that stuff. And um, then we had a – there was a theater in our school. You know, every school pretty much has a theater. Um and she knew her way around the school because she was a senior and, you know, she was in the ins and outs. And um, so she was like, hey, I want to show you this really part or this really cool part of the theater. And I said, yeah, sure thing. Why not? I'm interested in knowing what's going on in the school. Um, and she brought me backstage and there was like this wicked, crazy secret part of the school that like I never would have found on my own. It's like above the theater and um. I mean, very few people know about it. It's where they keep the sound and the lights up there, um, you know, all the crazy wires and connections and stuff like that. And uh, I was like, wow, this is really, really cool up here. And she was like, yeah, look around. There's art on the wall and stuff like that. There's a few of us that, like, come up here and draw on the wall. It was just chalk, so it wasn't, you know, harm or anything like that to the wall and not that it was – a public part of the school is more of a private part. And, uh, she came on to me right then and there. And I was like, Oh, what the hell is going on? Like, I didn't invite this. Like, this is really weird. And, uh, I mean, she was real aggressive about it. Like suddenly my back was against the wall and I was being pushed up against it. I was like, Oh my God, there's no way that this is happening right now. And I, I told her, very politely, I said, hey, I'm I'm not into this way. I do have someone that I'm trying to keep a long-distance relationship with. And uh, the words just didn't matter to her. Um, and I'm, I'm not one to, you know, really push back with women. Um, with men, I don't have a problem with it because I grew up playing sports. So that was nothing to me. But with women, I just couldn't bring myself to fight back. Um, and, you know, as I was saying, no, I, I don't want this and not interested in this. Suddenly my pants were down around my ankles and I'm not the one who did it. Um, and she was just um, groping me um, a lot. And I, felt my stomach turn because I felt like I couldn't do anything. And I felt like I couldn't tell anyone because I'm the new kid and who's going to believe them when they say that. Um, and, um, she had, per sorry, the dog's being dumb. If you can hear that, um, she had, um, performed oral on me and, and she kept trying to say that she, you know, wanted to have sex right there, right there. And I just, kept telling her no and I eventually just had to close my eyes for the next 45 minutes until the bell rung and um, 
then I could go to my last class of the day. Um, so I was kind of trapped there and it's not that anything physically hurt. I was just extremely uncomfortable for almost an hour and I felt that there was no way out of it because I, I just couldn't bring myself to fight back. I was scared. I was embarrassed. I, I just felt completely violated and, and I'm sure that there's other victims of this who, who can say that they felt the same, that they felt that that there was no way out. Who do you who do you run to? Do you run to the nearest stranger and say something? Will they even take you seriously? I just I, I didn't even know my way around the school, so I I wouldn't have even known where to go or who to talk to. I mean, this was in the first couple of days that I had attended this new school. So I was, I was scared. I didn't, you know, I didn't know what to do. And so from that moment, um, I, I did have a class with her and she, she wouldn't look at me. I wouldn't look at her. It, it was, it was really, really uncomfortable. And, um, I mean, I just, I didn't say anything to anybody. I didn't say anything to my parents again. I didn't say anything to my friends and, um, you know, there was, there was no talk about it. And, um, I, I would say two weeks after that, she finally came up to me and said, Hey, I want to talk to you. Um, I, I want to apologize. And I said, that's fine. Um, do you, do we need to go somewhere? Like, do you want to go into like a, we had, um, like kind of by where the band rooms were, there were practice rooms there that had big windows on them. Well, we can go in there if you want. We we can talk so that it's it's pretty soundproof. No one's going to hear what you have to say for yourself, and that's fine. Um, and so she she said, "No, I I kind of want to go somewhere else." So she went back to kind kind of where behind the theater where she had brought me before, but we had gone upstairs where the lights and the cameras or not cameras the sound system were like I, I just wouldn't let her bring me up there and I was like what are you doing and she's like she, she attempted to do this again she undid my belt and I finally slapped her hand away I'm like what are you doing you said you were going to apologize and she she just didn't she just ignored every word that I said and she undid her pants and she grabbed my hand and I like I didn't want to but she grabbed my hand and I ended up touching her private parts and I was just so uncomfortable. I, I said, this is not an apology. You told me you were going to talk to me about what happened. And I mean, this time I, I actually did. I like backed away. I, you know, just took my, I like I took my belt and I just kind of ran, you know, I, I just kind of went to, uh, I, I went to my next class early so that I could sit with my teacher. I didn't talk to him about it, but I just wanted to be around an adult. So I know I was, or knew I was safe. And, um, yeah, I mean, that, that happened twice with the same person and there's still one more person to go. <laughs> wow. Well, um, hold on, before we get yeah, to the next person, so it's not just a laundry list, that sounds super traumatic. Again, I'm sorry. This is a crass question, but just, uh, uh I'm not saying this to be funny. I'm not saying to be crass. When you said this was the, mm -hmm. when you said this first incident last 45 minutes, was this 45 minutes of sad oral sex? Is that what happened? 
It was, it was, yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, basically, it, it basically was. And, and there was nothing in it for me. And it was all one-sided. And uh, like you said, you know, hands, mouth, the whole deal. And I just stood there uncomfortable yeah. and frozen, stomach turned back up against the wall. You know, well, I, I gotta say, I, th- I think, uh, hearing, hearing this is, is, um, eye opening. And I think, you know, you, you, I, I just yesterday read a story about a teacher who, who, um, was sleeping with a 13 year old student and, you know, you, oh, oh my you, God. You, yeah. But, you know, I think when it's men, especially young men, especially high school boys who have a reputation for being like, oh, they're just like a bunch of horn dogs. The, uh, yeah, the, the reaction a lot of people have is like, "Oh man, lucky kid," and it's like this, like, uh, "Oh, living the fantasy." But I think, uh, I think people underestimate the, you know, you're you're able to hear the level of confusion in your voice as you talk about this many years later, and I think, uh, I think that's not the case, and I think a situation that feels scary and sad is is scary and sad. Um, yeah. No matter no matter it, who it, it you really are, what demographic and you're from. You're asking me, no, just, or, or are you just saying in general? Yeah, just saying in general. Just saying in general. I think it's good. I think you're do you're. I think you speaking about this right now is going to help a lot of people. Because I'll say this. Here's something, and I've never talked about this publicly myself. I'll never. I've never talked about this publicly myself. Some friends of mine know this. My wife knows this. I'm just embarrassed that my mom is about to hear this, but I'll tell you. I've been in a mm-hmm. similar situation. I've been in a similar situation. And it was when I was in my 30s. It was, uh, it was when I was, uh, it was six or seven years ago. I was in a situation with someone who I was dating. And if she hears this, I'm not trying to make her feel bad, but I w- we were dating. I was uh, not, not feeling very good with some of my mental health stuff. And, and she felt like uh, sex might make me feel better, spice things up, or, or bring me out of it. And I, I really tried to explain that's not how this works. And yeah. we, she's pretty insistent. And it was one of these things where I understood that this was just like a misguided impulse. And she was really not reading my sing- signals. And we wound up sleeping together. And in my mind, I knew I was like, I am doing this to get it over with. Because I, I, I kind of felt browbeat into it. And I was a guy. Yeah. In his, I was a guy in his thirties who uh, had certainly gone on some stretches where I was comfortable sleeping around, and I just walked away feeling like, you know, not like it was a traumatized thing that affected my life long term, but definitely walked away like, whoa, I feel like my head is spinning with confusion. That was that was dark. That was a dark, yeah, thing. Yeah, God, I that that hits home. Like just the words that you said, it's so accurate with how I have felt in the past. Yeah. And when you're a guy, there's a lot of people who are like, hey, man, you got some. Like that's what you fear. But I actually had a good friend of mine, and I, I, I still feel very grateful for her. I had a friend of mine who, when I was talking with her, it, it was shortly after, it was maybe the next week, I was like, I had this thing happen. And I'm, I don't know, I'm feeling like pretty confused. And And she said, she was like, you know, if you were, if you were, uh, if you were not male, what you're describing would be date rape. And I was like, I don't know if I feel that way about it, but I feel conflicting about it. I feel like there's a middle ground here. And again, I want to say hey. I'm fine and it's not uh, it's not anything that I'm hung up on on my end. But I, I say it to let you know, I too have had 
some some maybe forced feeling, uh, not great feeling sexual experiences. And I know what you mean. I know how confusing it can be. Yeah, God, it's just the, the, the words. I, I mean, you took them right out of my mouth. That's exactly how I felt before. Yeah, and yours is even more okay. traumatic because this was a <laughs> relative stranger. This was someone I was dating who just had a maybe a very misguided instincts, but this was someone who I knew and trusted and, and, uh, and still feel like is a very good person. I want to be clear. I'm not trying to compare my, myself to you, what you went through, but I, I, I'm with you in the feelings of confusion. It's, it, I'm, I'm not saying that you're comparing at all. It, honestly, for me, guy to guy, it's so nice. Well, Jesus, let me try and find the right words. It's comforting to hear <laughs> that I'm not the only one. You know, it's not nice that it happened, but it is nice to know that, you know, I'm, I'm not alone in the experience of what I've been feeling. Yeah, you're not. And I think the stereotype is when guys get together and talk about sex, it's like a bunch of frat dudes, like, right? Like some bunch of bro dudes, like, oh, let's talk about this and that. And <laughs> I won't lie, I've had conversations like that too with, with, with people. I don't know if I feel good about that. But in 2018, I think we can also have some conversations where it's like maybe some sensitive fellows going, has anybody here ever been... Uh, yeah, anybody, I mean that. Anybody here ever felt a little awkward nice? about sexual expression? I think 2018, we're allowed to say that too now. That's um, yeah. I mean that's so true. Anytime, I don't know if if, if it was me and I pictured a bunch of dudes getting together. Yeah, I do picture like a bunch of frat guys going, "Oh yeah, I totally was banging this chick." But I, you don't definitely picture a bunch of guys getting all sensitive and crying on each other's shoulders. <laughs> oh, my. I've, I've come to realize, I think, my my contribution to the world is to have a soaking wet shoulder. I think maybe that's what I was put on this earth for. <laughs> I'm with you there. Yeah. I try and be very sensitive. My yeah. fiance will, when listening, she'll know how sensitive I am. You probably think I was crying. I was a little bit. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a very emotional man. I'm proud of it. Yeah, same here. Let's let it all hang out. Okay, so I got to get to this last one here before we hit the bell, okay? Let's do it. I think he's right. I think we should get into more before the bell rings, but I also think we should take a, a deep breath right now and maybe give ourselves pause. Check it out. We'll be back right after this. Clementine Maria was six years old when her mother and father began to speak in whispers, when neighbors began to disappear. In 1994, she and her then 15-year-old sister Claire fled the Rwandan massacre and spent the next six years migrating through seven African countries, searching for safety, perpetually hungry, imprisoned and abused, enduring and escaping refugee camps. When Clementine was 12, she and her sister were granted refugee status in the United States, and Clementine was taken in by a family who raised her as their own. On the surface, she seemed to live the American dream, attending private school, taking up cheerleading, and ultimately graduating from Yale. Yet, the years of being treated as less than human, of growing hungry and seeing death, could not be erased. In The Girl Who Smiled Beads, authors Clementine and Elizabeth Weil provoke us to look beyond the label of victim and recognize the power of imagination to transcend even the most profound injuries and aftershocks. Devastating yet beautiful, the Girl Who Smiled Beads is a powerful testament to Clementine's commitment to constructing a life on her own terms.
Thanks again to everybody who sponsors Beautiful Anonymous. Now let's finish off the phone call. Okay, so I got to get to this last one here before we hit the bell, okay? Let's do it. So um, so this last one isn't too bad. Um, well, it's as bad as the other ones, but it's a little <laughs> easier for me to tell. Um, so then when I was a senior, I did have my last, hopefully last, experience with um, sexual assault or rape. Um, we, uh, I, I had a class with one and, and she was, I say was, she was very nice to me, um, you know, leading up to this experience. And, um, she would openly hit on me and I would laugh about it. She was just not my type of person. I, you know, personality wise and looks wise, just not, you know, not clicking on any cylinders, but she was nice. I'll give her that. Um, like I said, she would openly hit on me. And at the time I had a girlfriend, so I was like, ha you know, that's funny. I'll just brush it off. I don't really care all that much. And, um, then we had our, we, we had a, oh boy, everyone's probably going to know who I narrow this down to. We had a camp out, um, my senior year of high school. And, um, I was planning on sharing a tent with a couple of my other friends in my senior class and um when I had showed up to the party they had said that there was no room for me so I was like oh that's fine I'll just throw my stuff in my car and then if I need to go home or need to sleep I'll just sleep in the car there's no problem with that and so um this girl who was like I said very nice very open with me said you can put your stuff in my tent and I said, oh, sure thing. If I need anything out of my tent, like a change of clothes or something like that, um, I'll just come get it from your tent. No problem. You know, I thought that was pretty nice that she had some extra room in there. And um, so as the night goes on, um, you know, seniors are having a little drinking party and um, all the guys are playing football and all the girls are gossiping and stuff like that. Um, we... Uh, so I'm going to say it was honestly like three in the morning before I ran out of energy as an 18 year old. And, uh, I went to go get my backpack out of this girl's tent. Um, now mind you, there were like five or six other people in there. This was a gigantic tent. Uh, so I went, went to go get my backpack and she was actually awake. And I was like, what are you doing awake? She's like, I was wondering if you're going to come get your backpack. And I said, yeah, I think I'm, just going to go sleep in my car. And she said, well, if you want your backpack, you have to have sex with me. Like, Oh my God. Um, no, I really tried to play it off. I was like, no, I don't want to, but you know, I really do want my stuff. So, um, what I did was I, I just, I just left, I just left the tent and, um, I I was probably gone for another hour. I was trying to hang out with other people. Like, hey, can like someone go get my backpack? I really don't want to deal with that right now. I'm, I have no interest in dealing with that ever. Um, but no one would help me out. So 4 a.m. rolled around and everybody else is asleep. And so I tried to sneak back into the tent to get my stuff. And 
at this point, she now had my backpack with her underneath the sleeping bag. So how am I supposed to take my stuff? It was only a concern to me because at this point I couldn't get into my car because it was locked and the keys are in the backpack. So I'm kind of SOL at this point, you know. Um, so I woke her up and all she said, she didn't say have sex. She just said, lay down. I was like, all right, fine. I can lay down. Um, but I had no intention of getting underneath the sleeping bag. I, I just not doing it. Okay. I uh, tried to set a boundary. And as soon as I laid down, she rolled on top of me and I'm 150 pounds and she was heavier than me at that point in time. And I couldn't get her off of me. Um, so, um, she, uh, wouldn't let me go without having sex, uh, which was rough. Um, I've never had flaccid sex in my life, <laughs> except for that point in time, which was honestly just the weirdest thing. I, I, aside from the rape, weird, weird feeling. Um, I didn't keep track of time on how long this instance had lasted, um, but but it did end at some point in time. Obviously, I made it out alive, um, and I got my backpack. I went in my car, and I went home, and I did not go to school that day. Um, I, I just I couldn't bring myself to do it. I didn't want to see her, and I knew I would because um, we shared that same class together, and I found out later that after I had left the tent, she had texted her boyfriend, her, yeah, she had a boyfriend and she raped me. How about that? Um, and he was in the class below, so he wasn't invited to the senior camp out. Um, so she invited him to come there and have sex with her. Um, yeah, I found that out later, which I thought was a little odd. Um, and I did talk to my fiance kind of in depth about this one. She was really, really pissed about it. Rightfully so. I mean, I'd be mad if someone raped her too. And, um, she actually, my fiance messaged the girl who raped me and she was honestly politely asking if she even knew who I was. And I had gone to school with this girl for two years and she claimed to not even know my name. So she is in such denial about it that she she won't even acknowledge who I am. And I thought that that was really interesting because my fiance only messaged her after the girl sent me a friend request on Facebook. <laughs> um, so that is my third story. If wow. um, yeah, 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 there it is. That's that's the third one. Well, I think. Um, it's, uh, you know, one thing that's jumping to mind to me is uh, obviously right now, too, in the climate of our current culture, consent has become like a big thing that people are, I think, talking honestly about more and more. And, uh, you know, one thing about your experiences is there, there, there are probably people listening who are going to go, well, you shouldn't have gone back into the tent. There's probably people who are thinking that. And, uh, mm -hmm. and I get that. But there, there's something you said for, I think, one thing that your story illustrates is... Uh, 
you know, maybe some of these people thought that this was going to be hot. Maybe some people thought this was seduction, but you're expressing that it's not. And uh, maybe they don't even know. Maybe they don't even know that necessarily they're, they're crossing major boundaries, but they also don't know that you're a survivor of childhood abuse. And because they're not mm-hmm. slowing down and, and, and listening to your cues, this is now, uh, no matter how you slice it, even if their perspective on it is different from yours, they're putting you in a place that is, uh, is very unfair and that they would never do if they knew your background. But it's not, it's not uh, your responsibility or their right to know everything about your background. And I think it's... it's uh, Extremely eye-opening, extremely eye-opening to hear your perspective, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I do agree with the consent thing, and I, I, I'm i not going to say, you know, these people are terrible. I, I knew them before and after anything had happened, well, except for the for the male when I was seven. But, but the two girls, one of them, you know, she went on to have a great life, you know, and, and she really... She, I guess I did forget to mention, she did apologize to me truthfully with people around months later. Um, she, she honestly did feel terrible about what happened. Um, but, but the second girl, I mean, I, I don't know what she does now. I know that she did have a bright future in front of her. Um, I mean, she was on a full ride scholarship to some school. I couldn't tell you which one it was, but I mean, it's not like they're really bad people. And, and you know, maybe it was a, a thing of not hearing, no, I don't want to, or like you said, maybe they thought it would be hot and heavy and it was just a one-sided thing and I was not not into it at all. And I don't know. I, I mean, I, I know I for sure said, no, I don't want to. And maybe it's because I really didn't push back when I should have that, it almost didn't seem like I meant it, but you know, at any point in time when someone says no to me, that, that means no, like they don't want what you're offering. So yeah, I'm, I'm sure people will say, well, why'd you go back into the tent? Well, to answer your question, it's cause I was cold as shit and I wanted to be in a warm car. But... <laughs> and sometimes it can be as simple as that. Yeah. It, um, yeah, I definitely say it's not too complicated of a situation. But, um, but let's see, how much time do we have to kill? Because if we do, um, well, I guess I can talk about some more. How much time do we have? We got nine and a half minutes. We got nine and a half minutes. Nine and a half minutes. Okay. Um. Jeez, I could I could talk about my ex-girlfriend for a little bit and she she did have some issues with suicide we could talk about suicide we could we could i do also just want to say though i just want to say before we i feel like uh i feel like you you uh you told us three very impactful things and i want to make sure that i let you know that uh that's pretty uh it's pretty rattling stuff what you just shared and eye-opening and and uh there's just uh, one more thing i want to get on record if that's okay which is that i think one of the things about this Mm -hmm. podcast i've grown to love is that it always reminds me people have more going on on the inside than we ever assume and i think your story is illustrative of that i think your story is illustrative of that of uh you know you get 
even like you were just saying, like maybe people, maybe I should have like physically pushed back more. And it's like, well, you also went through something as a kid where maybe that's a terrifying thing to do, or 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 a really brutally confusing thing to do. And uh, it's just uh, eye opening. But I'm glad that puppy. Yeah, I'm, I'm mean, glad we got a puppy playing in the background. That sounds like it's nice. Sounds like it's nice. Yeah, he was telling me he had to go outside and go uh, diddle, so I might as well let him out so he's not going in my house. But. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, I think that people do have a lot more going on on the inside than what so many so many people will never know. I, I, I've definitely tried to live by that don't judge a book by its cover because of that reason, you know. And I, I, I definitely don't appear as though I'm damaged at all. I yeah. honestly am kind of a happy-go-lucky guy, which I, I just try and live by. I try to be as happy as I can, and I don't want things that happened in my past to affect me. I mean, sometimes it does not to get too personal on the show, but sometimes when I well, we am wouldn't getting intimate get with personal. my fiance, right. oh, oh yeah, we're going to get personal. Yeah. Okay. At, you know, at some point when I do get intimate, I have to say, hey, I, I, I need a second. I need some space because right now I just can't. And she understands. And, and as soon as I say no or, hey, give me a second, I, I get all the time that I need, and, and, and you know, I, I just wish more people would be respectful and, and listening like that. I guess that's one thing I would like to spread today, is people become uh, more understanding when someone says no or, hey, I need a second. Give them time. Listen. If they say no, they mean no. They, yeah. they, they're not into it, even if you are. How'd you, you can uh, go home and you got you, you got two hands to deal with your own deal. So <laughs> I guess there that's my goal. I hope people listen to it, spread a positive message to each other. How'd you uh, how'd you come to a place where you could open up with your fiance about this? How how do you know she was uh, she was somebody you could trust with all that? Because I'm I'd imagine I this is not uh, something you've shared with everybody you've dated over the years. No, she is. I would say one of two people to know and that includes my therapist so um how it really happened is i think how long we've we've been together for almost four years now and um at one point in time i mean i was just in a sexual slump nothing was going for me and and we tried having sex and and i i did you know say i want to get give it a shot and let's give it a go. And, you know, it just wasn't working on my end. And I said, I think that, you know, we should talk about this because there's obviously some underlying issues. And then at that point in time, I hadn't opened up about childhood problems or anything that happened as a teenager. Um, so she didn't know, she didn't know how to work with it. Um, but, she she wanted to she wanted to um you know make me feel comfortable um so that you know next time there is a slump i'm not pushing it she's not pushing it and now that we've gone over everything and opened up i mean she i'm gonna marry this person we're gonna be together for the rest of my life and of course she wants to know you know hey this works with you this doesn't work here's your boundary here's my boundary you know, we wanted to know everything about each other. So 
Um, I mean, I really, I did open up to answer your question. And I, I had to open up because the, the problem on the outside came from an underlying problem. So that is how I ended up opening up. Here's a weird question and intrusive, but I feel like we know each other well enough. When you talk about the slump, does mm-hmm. does does getting to a point where you can open up about it and where you can share that knowledge and maybe even burden with someone, does that does that affect I could I could I'll just put it out there. I could see a world in which that maybe helps the slump. Does that help the slump? Oh, it helps the slump. Oh yeah, it's, it's like if you're working out and you drop a like a heavy bar on your chest, you kind of need some help getting it off. But you feel a lot better when the bar is off your chest and you can finally move around. It just it, it really does feel like a huge weight gets lifted off of you, and you can just move freely again. Everything just goes back to flowing nicely. Honestly, that must be some very passionate. Stuff. When you're like, I'm going to share all this dark stuff with you. I've never shared it with anyone except a therapist when I was 19, but I'm going to put it out here because I really believe in this relationship. I trust you and I love you. I want to be with you forever. And you're going to have to know why this is happening. It's not about my attraction to you. It's not about my, it's, it's not about any of that. It's about this other stuff that no one knows. And then someone actually accepts right. it and is compassionate and caring. And then the lovemaking works after that. That must be some of the most passionate lovemaking you've ever had my friend <laughs> yeah it, it it really does it changes a lot of things though and and she's a very emotional person too so we'll sit here and cry for 30 minutes and then make love afterwards it's just how it works but <laughs> I, I mean it's so it's so nice to be able to talk about it with someone you know someone who is understanding and compassionate and and then you know you have a little benefit afterwards but it, honestly it is great to be able to open up to someone and let them understand the pain that you're feeling and what's really going on inside because you know she is she's a beautiful person and it did not have anything to do with physical appearance or sexual attraction it it was just a mental block I couldn't get over you know but um, after that you know everything is fine and it's not that it happens super often you know slumps maybe once a year but you know, the point is, is that it's nice to have someone there to talk to and to be able to get over it and have her understand you. Yeah. Understand where you're coming from, you know. That's a that's a huge weight off the shoulders. It must be a pretty beautiful feeling when you realize I got the person that I want to share not just my life with, but my secrets with. That's a pretty great thing. Ooh, secrets are fun. Yeah. Well, they can be. I've sh- yeah. Mm-hmm. My wife knows my secrets. My wife <laughs> knows some right secrets. Person. Yeah. Well, they could be fun with your wife, really. I don't know. I don't know your secrets. Well, it's fun. It's, it's, uh, every, every, right? Everybody's got things that they think on the inside, experience that they've had, things that, uh, that they hold close because, uh, you know, they inform who you are, positive and negative ways. And sometimes you got to put it all on the table and, and, and sort of say, hey, I'm going all in. Here's the stuff. Uh, here's the, here's everything we need to know about each other. Cause like you said, Four decades from now, we're still going to be hanging out. So let's get this uh, like a Band-Aid. Let's just get all this stuff out there. Yeah. No kidding. That is the truth, though. Yeah. Well, we got less than a minute left. Um, Sorry to cut that one off, but I I, I felt like uh, I didn't want to (laughs) rush. I didn't want to rush past all these reactions to the stuff you shared because it's not. 
I don't think it's a, I think it's a story that probably my guess would be, and I don't know facts and figures. My guess would be that things like what you've described happen more often than we all talk about and are discussed yeah. less in depth than you just did it. So I bet it helped a chunk of people. Thanks for doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciated it. Yeah, no sweat. Pet that dog for me and tell your wife I appreciate her kind words and support, even though it created a Atari sounds during our call. <laughs> no problem. I definitely will. Oh, yeah. I'll pet him right now for you. Good boy. Good boy. Get your toy. Good boy. There you go. That's just for you. He was very happy. Caller, thanks. Thanks for calling up and being so honest. Thanks for telling us about some really dark things. It's, uh, I do not take it lightly that that uh, it was your shrink, your fiancé, and then me that you opened up to. And again, a lot of people listen to this, and I think it might help people. And I've always I've always really felt like if you're in a position where you can help people and you don't, it's, uh, it's just not a cool way to be. And I think you stepped up to the plate and, and said, I want to put this out there and, and be a voice that might help people. Thank you for that. Really, really uh, bravely and kind of you. Thank you to Jared O'Connell and Harry Nelson in the booth, as always. Thanks to the Reverend John DeLuan and Greta Cohn who helped build this show. And as always, thank you to Shell Shag, my old friend Shell Shag, bringing the music that sets the tone for this whole shebang. Want to know about me? I'm getting out on the road. I got dates coming up. We got, we got shows in Chicago, in Bloomington, Indiana, in St. Louis, in Minnesota, all coming up soon. ChrisGeth.com is where you can find out about the ticket information for all of those. If you like Beautiful Anonymous, here's the thing you can do to help. You go on Apple Podcasts, rate, review, subscribe. Can't stress how much that actually helps. Thanks a lot. See you next time. Oh, boy. You guys know what's coming, don't you? Everybody knows what I'm about to talk about. When you hear this tone of voice, that's right. Thomas's original nooks and crannies English muffins, the breakfast I always get out of bed for. There's nothing quite like it, right? It's irresistible, that texture. Nooks and crannies perfectly toasted, crispy edges, soft, warm center. Think about how that butter pools inside all those little nooks and crannies. It's just amazing. Fills up those spaces. It's a delicious burst of flavor in every warm, toasty, buttery bite. Thomas's Nooks and Crannies English muffins are truly like no other. Next time on Beautiful Anonymous, what's life like in the underground? So your job is mostly just to keep a poker face. Basically. As horny men with fetishes objectify you as the, as the person who will fulfill their fetish. Uh, you know, it's a lot less sexual than you would expect. Really? Uh, yeah, like the one that I hang out with in person, uh, part of the reason I hang out with him is because he's trench of softy. He's like a, a little tiny queer bear. I'm so he's confused by all of bear. this. I am confused by all of this. He's a tiny little queer <laughs> so that's bear. That's why I want to talk about it. People have very weird conceptions about it, about sex work. It's so funny. Yeah. I love talking about it because people are always so surprised. That's next time on Beautiful Anonymous.
Hi, my name's Matt Corley. My name is Mark McConville. And we do a podcast called Pistol Shrimps Radio. Every Tuesday night, the Pistol Shrimps play basketball. They're a women's team in the recreational leagues here in Los Angeles, California. And we bring a table, some microphones, and our very selves to call play-by-play basketball action. Mostly we talk about what we want to talk about right. while basketball's happening, because but occasionally there's action that needs to be reported on, and we do that. But we don't know anything about sports, so if you are not a sports person, good. If you are, good. This thing's literally for made for every human being on this, our planet. Listen to Pistol Shrimps Radio every Wednesday on Earwolf. Get it! This has been an Earwolf production. Executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Chris Bannon, and Colin Anderson. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Earwolf.